You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. Hope you had a great weekend. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Thank you for joining us. Please hit that subscribe button, you guys. Uh, It means a lot. Whatever platform you're on, take two seconds right now, and if you're not subscribed, please do so. Hit subscribe. You can also check the description on any platform that you're on to see the time at which we hit different segments. Uh, I actually went to game three of the Clippers Jazz series. Probably not surprising to most of you. Did not plan on going, uh, but I was Friday night. I was like, you know what? Tickets aren't that expensive. I'm out of here. Tickets are only 165 bucks for lower bowl. They only allowed 9,000 fans in the arena as it was. Somehow they were dirt cheap. I don't know if people just don't like the Clippers or what. I was very pleasantly surprised, though, to see that, honestly, we, we were guesstimating. So I went with uh, two friends from Utah. The three of us flew out. And then another friend who lives in L.A., Casey Clyde, who is the uh, the intro voice for the podcast here. He's from Utah, but he lives in L.A., has for 20 years. He came with us as well. We were very pleasantly surprised to see that we were guesstimating maybe like one in five, that might've been, that might've been generous, maybe one in 10, but it was like 15, 10, 10, 15% of people there were there. I mean, there were probably close to a thousand jazz fans out of 9,500. I mean, it was, there was a lot of jazz fans. Maybe that's high, but you know, we'll say 10%. There was a lot of jazz fans. Like everywhere you looked, like you, you would see at least one or two, you know, walking around. Um, but obviously the jazz did not go. It did not go well for the jazz. And we want to break down that game. Mike Conley, by the way, has already been ruled out for game four. I'm very surprised by this. He traveled out to L.A. with the team. I guess that was just wishful thinking that he'd be able to go because he didn't play for game three. We lose big time. So now I'm thinking, well, he didn't travel out there for nothing. We just got our butts kicked in game three. Uh, but he's not going to go in game four either. So I think the Jazz must be, I think Conley must be actually pretty hurt. And they must be thinking, we can win at home. We have home court advantage for a reason. We can win at home. That, that's my only thought process here because we need Mike Conley. We saw Donovan Mitchell now two games in a row at the very end go down with what looks like an ankle injury to that same ankle. He continues to say he's okay. He did play quite well in game three, even though we got our butts kicked. Um, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous. The line is Clippers minus five. Or yeah, Clippers minus five. So Clippers are favored by five points tonight. And I am nervous. So that game was interesting. We got out to a hot start. The Jazz did. It was 8 nothing quick. We were stoked, you know. Um, and it all just kind of disappeared quickly. And the Clippers were ahead by double digits for most of the game. Uh, pretty much the entire game. They were up by double figures. And Paul George was the difference. Playoff P. Finally had a playoff game. It was his best playoff game of the entire postseason so far. And so it's funny, you know, people acting like, oh, he did it. See, he did it. His best game by far of the playoffs. In fact, it's the most points he's scored this postseason. And it's like several points below Donovan Mitchell's average. Below his average. Donovan Mitchell was arguably still the best player on the court. You know, I say, Kawhi played great. Paul George played great. Donovan also played really well, though. He had 31, or 30, excuse me. He had 30 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Shot pretty well. Kawhi had 34, 12, and 5. The 12 rebounds, I, I was noticing those rebounds throughout the game. Uh, he had some really big, athletic, hustle-type rebounds. But it's 34 points. 12 of those came late in the fourth quarter when we were already down double figures. So the real damage was done by Paul George. He just couldn't miss. He was just hitting three after three after three. 
and um, the, the game just got away early from the Jazz, and we we tried to pull back, we clawed back into it, and I got to talk, I got to speak the truth here on one of our players, um, but we claw back into the game. We're down eight in the third quarter. It looks like we have a chance to really get back in this thing. And George Niang, I mean, he had one of the most awful few minutes of basketball I've ever seen. He had two horrendous fouls, just awful, dumb fouls. And he had three turnovers on bad passes within like a five possession span. It was horrendous. And then, you know, leaves his guy wide open for three in the corner. It was just like play after play after play was Niang just making boneheaded moves on both ends of the floor. Defensively, he's fouling and giving them foul shots or he's leaving his man wide open for a, an easy three. Offensively, we're you know, in transition or making a run and he's throwing the ball away. It, it was, it was and, he, and he missed the three really badly himself. Like It was just bad. It was, just ba- it was a bad, bad stretch of play by George Niang and it came at the worst possible time. The Jazz had fought their way back into it. We're down eight. And it's always like there's some real momentum when you get it under 10. It's like single digits. You just feel like this, oh, we did it. We're, we're back to like having a, sh- a chance here. And just he just crushed us. And so um, Quinn Snyder takes him out. And I was, I mean, we as fans, we're sitting there like, Nyang is killing us right now. Like how is, how is he in the game? Like why is he out there? Like, He's, he's not good defensively. He's not good offensively. He can hit open threes at a very high rate. I get that's why he's on the team, and he can be valuable when he's hitting. But he did not hit. He was throwing the ball away. It was awful. He, he killed the momentum. The tide shifted dramatically back to the Clippers, and they were up double, double figures the rest of the game. And that was in the third quarter. That was in the third quarter when we really had a chance still. So that was unfortunate. Um, we need guys to step up. We just do. I'm going to pull up the box score here. So, again, I mentioned Donovan had 30. But like Bogdanovich was two of ten. That's not going to cut it. Um, Gobert only had twelve. We need hit more out of him. Uh, Joe Ingles and Donovan played pretty well, and Clarkson played pretty well. Um, he didn't shoot well, but he had some key buckets. But he he had fourteen. He shot poorly towards the end. He was five of sixteen. But um, we just need more out of out of Bogdanovich, especially two of ten, nine points. Like, and you know what's really confusing to me? This was the most predictable game. I hate admitting that, but like I was tempted to even put money on the Clippers. That's the honest truth. I was tempted to put money on the Clippers for game three because we didn't have Conley. And it's just, there's just something about a game three between two. What, like, even though we won games one and two, we know if you're a basketball fan, you know the Clippers are very dangerous. I said the, the title of my podcast last week was, yeah, what was it? Jazz dominate, but the series is far from over, something like that. I said the series is far from over, and I knew it was. And now it's really far from over because we're, we just got our butts kicked, which that's not, the, that's not the biggest deal in the world, but it is significant. It certainly isn't insignificant to get crushed because if you're looking at total points scored for the series, guess who's scored more? The Clippers have, even though they're down 2-1. And I mentioned point differential throughout this season. Point differential really is a key indicator of how good a team really is. Um, and the Jazz had the best point differential in the in the league this year, um, but again, if we're looking at point differential for this point differential for this series, the Clippers have us, and they've got Game Four at their place. We've got probably at least a sore Donovan Mitchell. I would imagine he. There's no way he's not sore. There's no way that ankle is just completely fine. It's been 36 hours, you know, 40 hours, and it's two games in a row now that he's tweaked it late. 
and it's the same ankle. So he's got to be at least sore. I'm sure he'll play and play well, but there's no chance he's at 100%. He's probably at you know 85% best, best case scenario. We don't have Mike Conley, and we're just kind of average on the road for a playoff team. That's another thing I said last podcast. We're a good road team, not great. We're a phenomenal home team. Um, but when you compare us to the average playoff team, we're pretty average on the road. The Jazz are pretty average on the road. Vegas has us as five-point underdogs again tonight. Um, this is this is not a must-win because we have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. That's one thing with the Jazz. We're phenomenal on on our home court, and we have home court throughout the playoffs. And I hope that it continues past this series, the playoffs that is, because this the the the, the stars are aligning for the Jazz, with the exception of the injury bug kind of biting us a little bit. Um, you know, again, I've, <laughs> and I know Trace and some other guys have laughed when I mentioned this a lot on the podcast, but I never wish ill on anybody. I really don't. I don't ever hope somebody gets hurt. Certainly not. But you all saw Kyrie Irving went down last night with a, what looked like a pretty bad ankle injury and the Bucks somehow win two games in a row. That series is tied two two. And there's a very, very high chance that game five will be played without James Harden and without Kyrie Irving. And if that happens, I think the chances are extremely high that the Bucks win again and go back home for game six, up 3-2. Can you imagine if the Nets get knocked off because of injuries? I mean, with Harden and Kyrie, this is a no contest. This is a sweep. I thought it'd be a gentleman's sweep, uh, but I didn't think Kyrie Irving was going to get hurt you know, in the first half of game three, uh, or of game four, rather. I, th- I figured they'd win uh, game three, the Bucks, but I thought the Nets would then win games four and five. And so... Which again, I didn't even finish. My thoughts are kind of all over the place here. Sorry. I didn't even finish that thought about why it's so predictable that the Jazz would lose game three. It was also also predictable that the Nets would lose game three. There's something about game three between evenly matched teams or at least close to evenly matched teams when the team that's down is going back home. There's something so predictable about that team winning. And I don't know why it is. I don't know why. You know, I'm, I'm not an NBA player, so I can't relate. But I don't know why as the visiting team who's the better team, who's up 2-0, why are you not really going for the jugular at that point? Why do you not have the same urgency that they have with their back against the wall? That's where greatness really comes in. If you can have that same sense of urgency, that same sense of killer instinct that you have being up 2-0 as you do being down 0-2, that's where you really put people away and win series. And we just saw the Suns do that. The Suns sweep the the Nuggets. They're going to just be chilling out, getting healthy, making game plans, and working on their jump shots for the next week, waiting to see what happens with this Clippers-Jazz series. So I wish the Jazz could have done that in Game 3. It looked like we were going to the first two minutes of the game, three minutes of the game, and then it all fell apart. Um, but but the stars are aligning for the Jazz, getting back to the injury bugs. You don't want it. You never want it. But I've said time and time again, if the Jazz are to win a championship, there's probably going to be something like that needed, like a Raptors championship of two years ago where they lose uh, Kevin Durant, the Warriors do that is, they lose Klay Thompson, and it makes the championship run for the Raptors a heck of a lot easier. The Jazz have that lining up right now. Anthony Davis was out. It's kind of a bummer. You you know, I wish the Jazz could have gotten the road that the, that the Nuggets got. You know, we didn't want to play the Lakers at full strength, but they were never at full strength. And so the, the Suns got through that pretty easily. And then they get the Nuggets in the second round, and they're without Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon played like garbage. Aaron Gordon for the series averaged nine points, 3.8 rebounds, took eight three-pointers and missed all of them, and it was 41% from the field. 
uh, you got to get more than that out of Aaron Gordon. Jokic played great, but he can't beat the Suns by himself. So the Suns had the easier road by far. An injured and depleted Lakers team, an injured and just unconfident, unprepared Nuggets team, and they're they sweep their way to the Western Conference Finals through the Nuggets. So I wish the Jazz could have had that. We instead are getting the Clippers at full strength, and we are the ones down our starting all-star point guard, Mike Conley. We're the ones now dealing with at least a semi-banged-up Donovan Mitchell, our best player. And so they have the they had the easier path. It, just, it is what it is, though. We've got to get through the Clippers, and then we get through the Suns. And again, we have home court for all of this. Just protect home court. Try and steal one on the road. Just just steal one. But that's the problem. If you go into every road game thinking, we just got to get one, well, then you probably end up losing a bunch of them. You should go into every game saying, we're going to get this one. Not just one. We're not just going to get one of two here in, in Los Angeles. We're going to get each and every game we play, we are winning. And I think that's the, I think that's why game threes are so predictably going to the, to the, the home team that's down 0-2 is because most teams just feel like, ah, we're just going to get one. We just got to get one. They get complacent. They get lazy. Um, you know, they get overly confident, and they drop a game. And then they usually bounce back. And So this this will be interesting. Tonight's going to be interesting. I'm excited to watch. Um, I'm hoping the Jazz can pull it out. If I'm being honest, I think you know, I said from the start this would probably go seven, and I'm feeling more and more that way with every passing day uh, because no Mike Conley and Clippers playing well. We're on the road. Um, they just killed us, which gives them all sorts of confidence. We're going to see. We're going to see. I'm hoping for the Jazz W tonight, but if I'm being honest, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I don't want to say that out loud, even though I just did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, let me make sure I hit these other points I had. Um, oh, one thing Stephen A. Smith said on ESPN, he said that Donovan Mitchell is the greatest Jazz player in the history of the franchise. Obviously, that was a prisoner of the moment, clickbait kind of comment. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is phenomenal. I, I would, you could argue that he's already become like the third greatest, but Stockton and Malone, you're going to say Donovan Mitchell has already surpassed Stockton and Malone, the all-time leader in points, the all, or excuse me, the all-time leader in assists and steals, one of the all-time leaders in points, a two-time MVP, guys that were named to the 50 greatest players of all time back when they did that in like 90, whatever it was, 1996 or something. Um, the, the 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 legacy, they've been to the two finals and only lost to Michael Jordan. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's never even been to a conference finals. He's never won an MVP. Uh, he's never led the league in scoring or assists or steals. Uh, I mean, he's a great player. He's extremely talented. He's a great shooter. He's a great driver. Um, he can just score. But to say he's better than Stockton and Malone is pretty ridiculous. You know, and, and uh, Richard Jefferson commented back, like, stay off the weed. And I'd have to agree. Like, if, if, if Stephen A. Smith truly thinks that Donovan Mitchell has surpassed John Stockton and Carl Malone, he probably should have his brain checked in some way, shape, or form. Because those guys are all-time legends. Like, those are truly all-time greats. We're talking, like, top three or four of all-time in their position. John Stockton and Carl Malone at power forward and uh, point guard. So, yeah. Um, okay, moving on to the Nets and Bucks a little bit more. Um, very likely that they, they lose, uh, game five because without, and this is where depth is going to cost them. I mentioned, you know, obviously they're likely going to be out. Uh, they're going to be without James Harden, without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's, you know, best player on the court. But I mean, this is a team that's lacked chemistry. 
And we're, we're, you know, we talked about lack of chemistry, lack of depth, and potential injuries playing a huge part in the Nets' championship run. And guess what? All of that's happening now. All of it. They, they're without James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Injuries. The guys that have to now step up really aren't that great and haven't played that much. So there's now the depth issue and the chemistry issue, and it's all colliding at once. And the Nets are in trouble. Um, you got to think James Harden's close to coming back. You got to think he is. So maybe they try and win game five at home without both these guys, and then Harden comes back for a game six. If they go down 3-2 going back to Milwaukee, you can guarantee that Harden and Kyrie are going to at least try to go, kind of like Anthony Davis did um, for the Lakers, and it didn't last long. But that's an interesting series to watch because, I mean, man, with without it, without the Nets in the way, it's like the Jazz, there couldn't be a better opportunity for anyone, but especially the Jazz. Best record in the league, best point differential in the league, home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Just get it done, Jazz. I beg you to get it done. All right, so the other series that's tonight, um, the Hawks and the Sixers, I truly just, this one just doesn't excite me. The Sixers are going to win that series, and I think they'll lose to whoever comes out of the Nets and Bucks series. I'm still thinking it'll probably be the Nets, um, just because I'm thinking that one of those guys is going to come back. And as long as they have Durant with Harden or Kyrie, they're still the better team. So I'm assuming that the Nets will still come out of that series. We'll see. But it doesn't matter because the Sixers are going to lose to either one of those. And um, But that game's tonight, so I'm, I'm assuming the Sixers will win. But the Suns and Nuggets, Jokic gets ejected last night. And I don't know if you saw this, but it was a frustration foul for sure. He was frustrated. Goes and swipes pretty hard at Cameron Payne. Kind of grazes him across the face, but he was swiping at the ball, and he did indeed hit the ball out of his hands. It was kind of like he stole the ball. And they call a flagrant two and eject him. John Morant immediately tweets, league soft. And I got to agree, this is ridiculous. We're ejecting guys for swiping the ball out of somebody's hands. He did wind up. He was frustrated, but he wasn't like slapping at his face. He wasn't punching him. To eject a guy for that seems absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I do not want to see that be a precedent that's set in the NBA. Like, let's let them play. It's more entertaining if they're allowed to, you know, if you punch a guy, of course, get ejected. He didn't punch him, though. He wasn't trying to hit him in the face. He barely grazed his face as he was swiping at the ball, and he did indeed hit the ball. So I didn't like the ejection, but I talked about how Aaron Gordon was awful. Talked about how the Suns have swept. They're just going to be sitting around now. The Chris Paul effect is real. I've talked about it for months and months and months on this podcast. The rest of the media seems to finally be catching up to me, and they're realizing just how good Chris Paul is. Chris Paul takes teams that are no good and turns them into really freaking good. And the Suns are a perfect example of this, where they didn't even make the playoffs last year. They add him, and they're now in the Western Conference Finals, sitting around waiting for the other teams, to, you know, the other series to wrap up to know who they can play. So they've like very easily kind of cakewalked their way to the Western Conference Finals because of Chris Paul. He went off last night for 37 points, um, and now there's all this talk. Is he one of the five greatest point guards of all time? Uh, idiots, he already was. He already was one of the five greatest point guards of all time. It, you know, If he gets a title, if Chris Paul wins a championship, is he a top five point guard of all time? No, he already was. If he gets a title and at, at this level of play, if he gets a title this year, I've got to leapfrog him ahead of Stockton, if I'm being honest. I would. Stockton never got one. And he's right there. He's, it's like Isaiah. So my top five, if you remember, I did this just a few weeks ago. I did my top top 10 point guards of all time. And to recap, I had Steph one, Magic two, Stockton three, Isaiah four, Isaiah Thomas from Pistons, 
not the Isaiah Thomas of the Celtics and every other team in the league lately. I had Chris Paul, number five, Nash, six, Russell Westbrook, seven, Oscar Robertson, eight, Jason Kidd, nine, and then I put Tony Parker at my 10 spot. So I've already got Chris Paul right there. And if he gets a title, I don't see why, especially at the level of which he's playing right now, and you know, he's not like some afterthought on a championship team, but he's like the key guy. Like he's the one that turned them from, from totally below average to championship. If he did it this year, you'd have to consider him as a top three point guard of all time behind just Steph and Magic at that point. So is Chris Paul a top five point guard of all time if he wins the championship? Yes, he is, but he already he already was that. He already was a top five point guard of all time. He is he is truly, truly phenomenal. So um, yeah, so th- they just now get to sit around and, and, and watch and wait and see. So I'm rooting for the Jazz. I really, really am. I'm trying to do a reverse jinx by saying that they're going to lose tonight. It feels awful even saying that, you guys. I'm so sorry to say that. Um, th- this will be an interesting game. I'm I'm hoping that Paul George cannot match his greatest game ever um, because if he doesn't, then I think you'll see the Jazz win. Uh, but if he does, then I think you'll see the Jazz lose. I just hate that we lost by 26. I hate it. So I'm hoping we do some lineup you know, changes a little bit. Um, we need Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich is very underrated. If, if Bogdanovich can get to his own shot, he actually did a couple of these in game three. Posts up, gets his gets that little turnaround jumper. He's very good at that. We need him to do that more. We need him to be on. And we need Clarkson to be on. Clarkson scored 14, but he was 5 of 16 from the field. Bogdanovich was 2 of 10. We can't have 7 of 26 from those two guys. Cannot have it. That is a sure recipe for a loss. We need those guys combined to be at least 45% from the field, which is not too much to ask. It's very little to ask, actually. Just shoot 45% combined. We need Bogdanovich to get going. We need to help Donovan Mitchell out so that when they double him, they pay for it. And we're, we're doing that on occasion with these great threes from Ingles and Royce O'Neal, and guys are taking turns hitting threes. Even Clarkson and Bogdanovich throughout the series have had their moments. Um, but we need to make them pay if they double-team us, and we got to prove that other guys can create their own shot. And Bogdanovich actually has a chance at that. So I'm hoping we see a huge focus on getting Bogdanovich going early tonight because if he plays well, I think the Jazz win. So keep an eye on that, and we will talk to you next time. I am out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports.